What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruit analyst for Sooners360. I am not joined by Caleb Cummings this week. He is at a super secret location, uh, not on a project for us, but, but handling some other business. And uh, my usual backup co-host, uh, Matt Burns, is tied up with some family business, which is not my not my job to reveal that secret. But hopefully, we will have some some good news we can share with you guys uh, next week. So I am fortunately joined by stats demon, uh, numbers cruncher, and an opinion <laughs> evaluator, opinion creator, all his own. Uh, my special guest tonight is Kyle Dahlgren. Kyle, thank you so much for pinch hitting and joining us tonight. Thanks, Chris. I don't know if we'll say fortunately after the end of it, but uh, we'll give it a go. No worries. So this episode, I had to change the title because uh, of the, the 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 seismic news that occurred in the college football world today. So this is episode 63. It's We're doing a one-parter this week. We'll be back with a two-parter next week, I hope. And it is The Roof is Gone. And the king is gone. <laughs> so um, obviously the first reference is to the somewhat shocking OU coaching change that occurred last week. A little bit out of nowhere. We didn't have a chance to talk about it on our pod last week mm-hmm. because we recorded before it happened. And then right around, I, th- I think it was like 5 Eastern time, Nick's, the news that Nick Saban was retiring uh, hit the college football world. And it's been a, it's been a... Everybody's re-recording emergency pods and doing right. everything like that. Right. It's a, the kind of seismic shock it, it represents for college football. So we're going to go ahead and give our we're going to go ahead and give our opinion on that as well, and see if we can um, 
not insult Alabama fans in, in the process of talking about Nick Saban leaving, but I, no guarantees, guys. Yeah. This is an OU podcast. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is Matt. Just to interject real quick, this recording with Chris and Kyle did take place uh, middle of last week, uh, but due to some unforeseen circumstances, we are just now able to get to the editing and publishing. Uh, some of the info you will hear in this episode is a little out of date by a few days, such as Ferguson, the offensive lineman in the portal, uh, who was down to OU in Florida State, appears to be headed to Florida State. Um, but most of the rest of the info is, is relevant, and we're going to go ahead and publish that today. And then later this week, I will be back with Caleb, and we will get with Chris and Kyle will join us again as well for a kind of season wrap-up roundtable. Um, so that'll be out this week as well as the regularly scheduled recruiting podcast format. So without further ado, Chris and Kyle, take it away. So we have talked in our admin chat and you had felt like one of the things, oh, you did need to make a change. And if we're talking about un unhappiness in our admin group and Sooners360.com yep. uh, through a 10 and two season with some ups and downs. I think it would be fair to say unhappiness category, unhappiness, staff unhappiness topic number one was, was some Jeff Levy issues and concerns. Yep. So we got Pat, um, you know, send a country ham or a large ham or a bucket of, box of cigars to uh, Zach Selman because he's hired Jeff Levy. And then I in a and then I think the surprise in a second move I think we kind of felt as a group that maybe it was time to move on from Ted Roof. It was time to get a real to kind of get a real recruiter in there. Perhaps not have the linebacker position that spot be kind of a liability, and maybe we needed a, a little more defensive coordinator sort of fire in the room. I think that was kind of uh, maybe a general consensus on that. Mm -hmm. So I know from a recruiting standpoint. Ted Roof really was supposed to sort of provide a Georgia, a connection to Georgia, and it just wasn't panning out. No. You know, no visits, no verbals from any of the Atlanta area metro schools that, that Ted had connections with. So, which is tough, right? That's a tough market to break sure. into. Yeah. But, but Clemson had a lot of success there, and we thought Ted Roof would give OU kind of a heads up there. But after two classes – there's there's no Georgia defenders on the roster, mm -hmm. and uh, and it, and we're not even in, we didn't even get any high profile visits in the last class. Um, it would be one thing if we got four or five guys and missed on them. Yeah, we were building yeah, some you're fighting the battle build, at least, but you're building right. connections, but that just didn't occur. So um, from that perspective, OU uh, out of nowhere, Brent said he was making a change at defensive coordinator. Offered Ted Roof a, a position on staff, which um, analyst position, I guess, which Ted declined. I guess OU's going to pay off Ted's last contract year in some negotiated fashion, depending upon him finding another job or just in some negotiated fashion per his contract, which obviously we're not privy to. But Kyle, I, I if generally speaking, it looks like, let's just talk about Ted. Let's just talk about Ted Roof. Are you in... Do you think OU, and it looks like Zach Alley is being hired or hired, it looks like we're waiting on the the Board of Regents meeting on Friday for a contract to get signed and for that to go official. And OU's being a little 
under the table until he's hired. He doesn't have any recruiting restrictions in terms of contacts. Oh, so he can actually he can do some recruiting things that it's just a, it's a minor little loophole. I think OU maybe is taking advantage of for a day or two. It's not anything. It's not like he's handing out bags of money because he's not on staff or anything. Like that. I think we're just talking about the fact he can he can make a contact or two. Um, uh, I think he can make a contact or two until he's officially on staff. So maybe that's what they're doing. But how how big a change do you think this is for OU, and, and why do you think this is a timely change? Well, you know, timely for the last part. I mean, if you're going to the SEC, when you when you were talking about Ruth's recruiting, you know, it from what we were hearing kind of behind the scenes, it sounded like you're getting closer and closer to, you know, 10 guys against 11 versus all the other staffs. I mean, it didn't appear you saw much in the off-campus pictures visiting kids around the country. Like you mentioned, you weren't seeing this, you know, wave of interest from his so-called area, you know, most of the linebacker recruits, I think everybody knew the deal and maybe Al even has some of the same where it's like, okay, these guys are going to be very um, focused material for Brent. You know, he's still going to spend a lot of time with the linebackers. We all get that. But it's just, you know, you can't have dead weight on the staff in the SEC if you want to be competing for championships. You know, we went through this song and dance when Ruffin McNeil was here and that even spilled over onto the practice field when there were reports coming out about how little he was even getting out there. And so, you know, we knew Roof was out at practice and things like that, but from the recruiting side, it's like, man, we got to have all hands on deck. We, we've been doing very well under Brent. We've landed top 10 classes, but you know, the razor's edge between, you know, a top three class and an eighth class like that, that can be really defining when you're trying to, I mean, look at our schedule next year. I mean, it's just going to be an insane jump compared to what we're used to. And so, yes, you need the top end talent, but you also need quality depth. A lot of people talked about, you know, Michigan's path to the championship this year was how many waves of good athletes they were bringing in and developed and things like that. And while their blue chip ratio, I know is lower, but um, that's just something we're going to have to get used to. Hey, everybody on staff is going to be carrying their weight, helping out each other. Um, and so I think from that side, it was just very impactful to do it now. Um, you made a really good point in the chat about the linebacker room itself was very full, only needed to take one this year in Nesta. And so next year is going to be a big one. So making the move now, you get a new linebacker coach in there to bring in a bunch of, you know, probably three, maybe four linebackers, depending on what your numbers look like next year. If you get all those guys signed up and then you're making a position coach DC change next year, do you keep them all? Uh, You know, what does that look like? So doing it now when you've got a small class, you're going into the SEC from a recruiting standpoint, I feel like it's perfect. Now on the field, again, same. You are, if we're getting alley as we all believe we are, you're still getting a guy who understands what Brent does. I mean, he worked under the guy for seven, eight years, something like that at Clemson. I mean, he, he went to the school of hard knocks, Brent Venable style, and knows exactly how he runs practice, how he runs meetings, how he recruits probably. Um, but then I, I always think it's imperative in business, football, whatever it is, going out, doing a little bit on your own before you're coming back home, essentially, you know, while the address has changed for Brent. He's coming back to, you know, where he learned. 
he's proven he can do it. Um, you know, you look at even just the South Alabama, they, they made the jump to, to the upper level uh, of FBS this year and their defense performed phenomenally. You know, there were, there were a bunch of stats out there. I knew Keegan threw one out on Twitter where their preseason SP plus on defense was like a 36 rating on defense. And they finished with a 25 basically outperforming projections by 11 points. Like that's a huge jump. I know I threw one in the chat from the athletic. They always do the uh, stop rate that I think is really good. It's a, it's a little bit simpler statistic, just, okay, how many drives, how many times did they score? Uh, you know, the leader in stop rate this year was Michigan. Then you had Penn state, Iowa, Ohio state, you had a lot of good defenses at the top. Uh, Jacksonville state was 11th at, you know, almost 74% stop rate, right? Amongst like Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Clemson was at eight. So it's like you had all these fantastic defenses surrounding Jacksonville State just sticking out like a sore thumb. And so, you, you know, a lot of people from outsiders, if they hadn't gone on Zach Alley's Wikipedia page to see, oh, now I understand why Brett Venables already had his phone number. They'd be looking at this and be like, yeah, why wasn't this guy getting more calls? Probably because he's young, 29 years old, which we've talked about is the exact same age that Brent was when he came to OU. Uh, you know, is a little, um, you could say, underqualified for how long he's been away from Clemson, you know, but Brent has shown if he knows talent, like he's going to bring someone, you know, he brought Chavis from an analyst role. I know he's still getting his feet wet, but had Bates side by side to continue to coach him up. You know, it's it's a guy that he knows well. I don't think age is an issue. He's got plenty of experience in this defense. So. I think he's still getting the things that we knew he brought Roof in for. Of okay, I can trust him to run the defense. Um, he can put probably his more of his fingerprints on it than I feel like Roof probably was willing to do. Um, just because he has run different stuff, I've seen different film studies so far of a lot of people looking at um, running a lot of three three five at Jacksonville State. So do we look at some of that? Maybe you know change that cheetah role to more of like an edge in some capacity against certain teams and. Um, so you can see some different formations and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's like he's going to be able to trust this guy. Hopefully that, you know, helps remove him to more of that CEO role. I think we've all agreed he's never going to completely give up the defense. But, you know, if he was taking the majority, say, of the last couple of years and it was a 60-40 split with Roof, Maybe he can get below the majority, get down below 50%, start handing off more to Zach. and. Because that's just going to start that domino effect where maybe, you know, Brent can focus more on helping out whatever position we need that year and offensive recruiting, say, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, maybe Bill needing a closer. This class certainly has looked really good after the All-American games and things like that. But, you know, you see certain positions where guys like um, Kirby Smart or Dan Lanning or heck, even Saban, who we're going to talk about in a minute. It's like these defensive head coaches, you still see just waves of talent on the offensive side of the ball. You know, those guys are getting involved in that. So if Brent maybe isn't as solely focused on defense, 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 linebackers, getting a little bit more of the 10,000 foot view of his program, I think it's only going to continue to help prog progress him as a head coach. You know, we're, everything's getting more complicated. We're talking about, you know, college teams hiring GMs to handle the roster with the NIL and everything like that. I mean, he's just going to have more and more stuff on his plate. So, I think it's a great hire. The The stats and the data back up quality defenses of what he's put out. But then you just think about how he's going to just seamlessly transition into this coaching staff. 
as we go into the SEC, you know, a lot of people from the outside would be like, so OU is going to come in with a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator. And it's like, well, <laughs> let's think about what this really looks and, like. And a, you new know? Q, and a new QB. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I am not worried about the coordinators considering, as you said, Levy was not my favorite. I've made that very apparent on places like Twitter. Uh, you, you bring in a ton of experience at OC. You bring in a guy who is basically, you know, the up and comer, you know, right hand Brent Venables guy where, Roof was the older mentor, Brent Venables guy. Um, you know, so you're you're just kind of swapping out a little bit of like for like, but hopefully getting a lot more upside on the field, but especially in the recruiting world. Yeah, because you know he hasn't recruited obviously at the level OU that OU recruits at. Sure, but I have a hard time imagining that once you give him that OU brand and that right. label, that he's going to have a hard time connecting with kids. You watch the coaching film of him with young with kids. It's just it. It's very. It's 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 sort of overtly Brent like. Um, you know, Brent's obviously still going to help him with the linebacker spot, but I, I don't think Zach is going to have it. He's going to have a year because he's already got one verbal, which is nice. Yeah. With um, uh, the with the in-state kid uh, Marcus, uh, whose name I'm just I'm fumbling. I don't know why I've got his name not memorized. Yeah, from um, Carl Albert. From Carl Albert. Um, I'll pull it in a second. And then he's got a couple other guys who oh, you've been heavily involved with. Uh, Christian Thatcher, the big linebacker from Vegas, being uh, being one of the names. So that would give you two guys. And if you want a three-player class, that gives you Zach Alley has a chance to maybe focus on a couple of different kids, get his feet wet, get established. But also, as you said, as, a, as big as this class would be, Kyle, I think the 2026 linebacker class – could be bigger. You need to start getting the, the, you need to start getting the Kip Lewis, Panic, McKenzie replacements into the program. You need to get the Stutz replacement, um, and maybe, uh, maybe McCullough this in this class if you could get that. Um, I do think one thing that Zach Alley could bring that would be that was interesting based upon the bowl game was. If you if he could bring something where we could get um, McCullough on the field more in a three three five kind of look, that would be interesting. James Nesta also has some of those kind of skills as a pass rusher, but he's also done a good job in coverage based upon the uh, some of the Army All American game stuff. But I do think if you could free sort of like and I'm going to use a, a I'm going to just kind of quantify it. I don't even know these hours aren't probably right, but if you could just free up ten hours more of Brent being able to recruit across the roster mm-hmm. rather than recruiting at linebacker to give, you know, cause Bill's recruiting five guys. That's tough. Right. You know, you want to, he, you know, he's probably recruiting about three, four prospects per slot. So any help he can give Bill, you know, cause ideally, I mean, me, Caleb and I talked about this. If OU all of a sudden the NCAA or the whatever new organization they end up with all of a sudden said, you can have another on the field coach. To me, I think the, the the one position you would hire and have the debate over would be like a dedicated special teams guy or a second offensive line coach, right? Yeah. You know, even if it was that's I, I, that's exactly where I would use those assets, right? Yeah, I go back and forth. I remember the old uh, who was it, James Patton split duties yeah, with uh, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. it was Patton and um, uh, I'm forgetting and the 
And the guy, the other guy, I can't remember his name, but it was, uh, it didn't, it didn't work. It but wasn't it didn't work Kittle, was it? Was that before? It was Kittle. It was Kittle. And we didn't even get his kid. And we didn't even get his kid. We didn't even get his, his all-star oh, tight gosh. end kid. Yes. The, <laughs> the bane of, oh my gosh. The number of rants I've gone on with literally the worst hire in OU football history. It is inexplainable. The man has not coached D1 football before or since. It was the biggest sign that Bob was creeping towards retirement. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to give my, I'm just going to hire my friend who's been a pastor well, uh, the part at that kills prison. Me is and a we didn't lawyer. even get his son, right? We didn't, we were yeah, dying we for, probably we dying for a tight end during that time. And we didn't even get his kid. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, um, you know, I won't it's, go it's, down it's, that rant again. It's not going to stop pull up that any longer, but uh, I, I think making the move now so that you can get everyone. I think some folks are like, well, why just, why'd you do it right now? Cause you can get Ali on board, and then OU is going to use, I think, the rest of January for twenty-five recruiting. Twenty-four recruiting's done unless something right. weird happens with some Alabama kids, right, or something else. Twenty-four recruiting's just it's finished. So I think doing this now is is was key, so you can have Ali, you know, so the junior weekends and the travel that they can do, because it did appear that. That's, I think, one of the big things is it did appear that Roof, to your point, just just based on the social media evidence we had, just wasn't really traveling to the to the degree the other coaches were. Even James Nesta from North Carolina seems a little more connected to Miguel Chavis than Ted Roof. And of course, Chavis is from North Carolina. That's where um, that's that's one of his recruiting areas for Clemson, and, that, and he's a North Carolina high school product, I believe. So that's, a, that is, that's not a big surprise, but even still, it was the only linebacker in the class, and it, and it seemed like Miguel Chavis kind of Miguel Chavis and Skip Johnson kind of landed him. So yeah, it, it seems like that's kind of a it was a good time to say let's 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 move on here. And I do think it would be nice to have um, you know a little more de- some defensive somebody who knows Brent's system but has done it on their own and is coming back and maybe bring some ideas some some different ideas to the. To uh, to the whole defensive room, I think is not a bad idea. Plus, I, I I like the young I like the young energy. Nothing against Ted Roof's experience, but I think Brent's had two years to kind of you know teach the defense, and now it's time to fine tune it, improve it, and expand it. So yeah, no, I agree, and I mean it was definitely an intentional move. I mean George Stoya had it, and he got the actual contract, and it was definitely a three year contract. There was. There was a bunch of smoke out there of like, oh, no, it's like a two plus one. And they were just going to renew it at the next Board of Regents meeting or something like that, you know, get that final year on. But no, it was a three-year contract. And like we noted in the the press release that they put out, like they were probably very careful with that language that this was like a mutual agreement. Thinking about that buyout number of, you know, he was supposed to make $1.2 this year. So they they had to make sure that he was okay stepping away because it was pretty much forced upon him. I think he was telling people that he was not looking to retire this off season. And he, and he obviously told OU, you, you know, thanks for the, for the honorary honorarium job on the side. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go be a DC somewhere else. Yep. Uh, oh, okay, Ted, good, good, good luck with that. Add another school to that long Wikipedia entry. <laughs> yep. You know, have, here's some lovely parting gifts, um, a year's supply of rice and some, and some furniture from Broyhill. Um, so, that's the that's the roof is gone. So let's talk about the, the the bigger sort of seismic shift that has just occurred in college football. 
Nick Nick Saban has retired. Um, kind of out of nowhere, there was some rumors of some stuff on some Auburn message boards, like <laughs> message board twenty four hours ago, which is yeah, which, which is kind of funny because you're like. There's no way, like, the random Auburn guy knew Nick Saban was retiring, is there? I mean, come on. So, so he's either really has some connections or he posts that every, every like, middle of January after the playoffs. And, yeah. And this year he's just finally right. Like, you know, broken clock is right twice a day, right? Like, I fight, like, I finally made this. You know, he's been posting it under different handles and different names, and finally it was true. So – Let's just move to the first initial impact, not knowing his replacement, but knowing that no matter who they get, there's there's no really replacing Nick Saban, really. Yeah, I mean, think about the, the fact that we finally moved to the SEC, we get the schedule release, and we get Bama on the home schedule. And who's not going to be on the sideline for all the OU donors that have been going through the last decade of just horrible home games? And, yeah, I mean, it, regardless of who's on the sideline, you have to think the game is potentially easier now, right? I mean, the man is a legend, arguably the GOAT. I call him the GOAT. I mean, to to have this kind of run in the modern era where, you know, no stone is unturned for talent with the amount of recruiting film available now. And, you know, I know OU's, like OU's fifties and stuff like that, how much like regional could be, you've got, you know, Minnesota schools like that going on a run to do this many championships in the modern era. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And anytime we would sit there and, Try to claim, okay, man, is the end near? These uh, coordinator hires, you can't keep losing everybody and replacing them with pretty mediocre hires. You know, I would have sworn, based off the guys he hired last offseason, it's like, okay, like there's no way. And then here they are taking the eventual champion to overtime in the semifinal. You know, it it continually just pulls it out. And I think it's just a testament to just the overall just program structure he has, you know, it, it was very well known for years, just how hard it was to work for him. Um, you know, to where a lot of guys were looking for a way out, they'd go get their time, boost the resume and be like, okay, I'm ready to go be a head coach somewhere else. Cause I can't work here anymore. Um, but I mean, he demands greatness. He gets greatness uh, both on the field, on the recruiting trail. You know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what, changes from a roster standpoint of, you know, we, we've seen the different list of who's looking where, you know, I saw a report just about, a, you know, 30 minutes ago that there's smoke that they were telling people even within like the, the departing meeting that they plan to have uh, someone selected within 72 hours. So, you know, was something already in the works? You know, I, I commented, I think in our group chat that, Okay, yeah, Twitter found out today. The admin at Alabama did not find out today. <laughs> you know, I'm sure he let them know probably as soon as he figured it out um, so that they could start thinking of that list, contacting through agents, you know, keeping it on the down low. Um, if so, if someone's coming in, you know, it should be pretty quick. As you mentioned, they've got 30 days of new portal openings, but, um, you know, that can go both ways to where whoever comes next could be bringing kids with them too. Um, you know, Lanning is probably who I would be betting on, but, um, 
he just as a SEC guy probably wants to get back. Um, you know, he's, he has made very bold statements on how much he loves being in Oregon and he's absolutely not going to leave. I, I'm, I'm an Oregon man whenever A&M was rumored connected to him. Um, so we'll see if he has to walk those back. But, uh, you know, Alabama's a little different than A&M. I, I think even Oregon fans would have to be like, that really stinks. But uh, I, I can <laughs> I can definitely understand that, you know, who also the other side of it, who wants to follow Saban? What happens when you go down there next year and you lose three games, say? I mean, are they going to want to run you out after one year? And I mean, it is because, you. I mean, Saban did a good job coaching that team this year. I mean, some, everyone's like, oh, he did a great job coaching. I'm like, well, he does have the best roster in college football. So let's, 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 let's you know, right. Lance Leopold at Kansas is, is making, you know, turning, to, you know, turning rocks into, into, into diamonds a little bit. But sure. Nick Saban is just probably rearranging all of his diamonds correctly. And, and, and he did a good job, but that roster still is, you know, um, J.C. Latham is in the draft. Um, Terry and Arnold, um, Kool-Aid McKestry, both outside linebackers, Braswell and Turner. Oh, I mean, even um, if you just pull up two four sevens, you know, college team talent composite, I mean, they're far and away yeah. the, the number one overall team. They've got 18 yes. five-stars, 56 four-stars on the roster. I mean, yeah, I mean, so, it's just so, bonkers. You know, even looking at some Taven did a good, you know, but that, that team did look a little bit, it, it looked a little bit, it had some dents in it. I mean, I was pretty surprised by the Texas result. Um, I was too, yeah. Um, even acknowledging the fact that this was a good Texas team and we knew that Texas had some talent, I was a little a little surprised by that. So, you know, Kevin Steele's already re- resigned, retired. Maybe he got tipped off first. Um, you'd have to think Lanning will bring in, you know, a kind of clean house and bring his guys in from Oregon if if he's doing this, especially an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. You know, is Jalen Milrow, the, does he fit Oregon's offense? I don't think he really does. Um, so there's a lot of transitions there. It's, and to your point, it's like, the OU Nebraska, the OU Alabama tickets. When I looked, I just looked um, like a couple of weeks ago, trying to figure out maybe what an OU home game to go to, and they're like super expensive. So I wonder if I haven't checked the price, but I wonder if it's already like you know, if you were like trying to sell them and you hadn't sold them yet because you were waiting to try and you know gouge people more. If all of a sudden you're like crap, you know, you know, I've already like lost my ability to to gouge people by about twenty five percent now that the saving factor is gone. Um, Although, uh, you know, you could get a nice boost if uh, Lanning and the OC comes. Does his quarterback as well come? Well, which – well, so <laughs> has are, – are any of us aware of the fact that has Dylan Gabriel taken a class at well, Oregon yet? If Lanning leaves, do they not get the same 30-day rule? If you just transferred, can you tra- – I, I, it's a great question, Kyle. I, mean, I have absolutely no clue. I, I have watched the NCAA bend over to every lawyer that comes in with a – Threatening you know, a – Yeah. Yeah, class, some oh, class oh, action. Oh, you know, because my, my, you know, my student here came to Oregon with the idea to play for this staff, and then they leave two weeks later. You're telling me he can't transfer again? Oh, okay, here. Here's why we're about to sue you. And the NCAA just calmly says, okay, I'm sorry. We take that back. 
I mean, yeah, are so, we not still under the umbrella where they said basically all two-time transfers are, you know, A-OK, or has that window closed already? No, that, that injunction's still in place. I yeah. think the NCA is deciding, is it worth fighting it, or is it just worth just throwing their hands up and saying um, whatever? But yeah, I mean, it would be in a weird world where Lanning takes the job, and in the weirder circumstance that Dylan Gabriel follows him, and he's the quarterback starting against OU and Jackson Arnold. Um, how how uh, do you think Dylan still gets some cheers when he takes the field, or how ugly do you think the OU fan base um, turns on him? Because um, uh, obviously, there's an ugly portion to the OU fan base, as we saw with the whole Caden Green dad's um, insurance business getting 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 um, bombed by OU fans, giving it bad reviews. So just a small portion of the OU fan base. Not that other fans don't have that as well. I just, maybe OU fans are just a little more creative in their in their in their um, pettiness. But yeah, I mean, I think it opens up all kinds of on the field stuff. I mean, the Alabama game becomes it's at least different. I don't know if it's easier. It has to be easier on some level because of the the continuity that Saban was able to provide year over year. The coaches change, but Saban's like, this is my defense. This is my offense. Run what I want you to run. I will rehab your image and you can go get a job elsewhere in two, three years. Right? So you lose all of that continuity. And so my brother's a big EPL soccer, English premier league soccer fan. So I, sometimes I use these references on the show and Caleb who knows nothing about soccer is lost, but yes, I always get a laugh when uh, he doesn't understand what EPL means. United (laughs) for a lot of American soccer fans are used to man United being like dominant. Right. Because of Alec Ferguson, they had a great coach. Right. And we're great for a stretch of time. And then since he retired, they haven't been as good as my brother, you know, longtime soccer fans like, well, Man United wasn't always this great. They had a great coach, great players, and they were, and they had a dominant run. But that's not their history. And I think fans need to understand that for the better part of the 2000s, Alabama was as disorganized as Texas A&M was in terms of fractured fan, fractured boosters, boosters interfering. The AD didn't have control of things. Um, they had the whole, um, um, uh, Mike Price, um, stripper at SEC media day nonsense. Um, you know, they hired some bad coaches who had some bad football teams and they, they were irrelevant for a good period of the, of the two thousands until Saban came on board and he was, and he and, and they're only they only got saved by the fact that Saban had no quarterback with the Dolphins and realized the salary cap and he couldn't acquire a quarterback. Um, that he he fled he fled the Dolphins. I mean, he denied taking the Alabama job for like four months with the Dolphins to the point that the Dolphins uh, um, some of the media members from Miami tried to go to his Alabama. Um, signing day event, and they got blocked from it. From when he when he his his press initial press conference uh, in Alabama, they're going to ask him because he said, "I will not be Alabama's head coach." That's the final. You know, he said that like five times. It was a little bit of the the reverse. He he, unlike Lincoln Riley, he 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 did say you know it was kind of the similar, a little bit of like the Lincoln Riley thing, except Lincoln Riley said he would not go to LSU. Um, so. 
There's there's no way Bama is going to be the ch- going to be the same. They can hire the best college coach they can think of, but I just I don't think any way that game is the same. And I think on some levels that game may have just got easier because, as you said, if you hire Dan, Dan Lanning and he tries to use his system with Milrow, it doesn't work. Some kids transfer, they lose some recruiting momentum. Um. You know, their five-star wide receiver kid who uh, reclassified, who was supposed to sign in February, has already decommitted um, in a move that won't please most OU fans. If I had to guess, I think Texas might be the beneficiary of all this. You know, which, uh, um, which is not so great. Um, um, but, yeah, it's, it's – so, Kyle, I think if you had to guess – just in, in two years from now, has this helped OU's transition to the SEC or is it just about the same? Um, I think it just has to help. I mean, you, you can't remove the the greatest coach of all time and just not have a step back. Sure, you know, I was looking and clicking around their, their recruiting class and even just surprised to see how many kids are from Alabama in it. You know, you just think about this roster stacked with four and five stars and we know it's a great recruiting state, but just by numbers, you'd think it would spill over into Florida, Georgia, you know, the the kind of entire area, you know, so any worthwhile coach who they're going to be able to hire is going to come in and probably keep stacking top five classes. They're, they're still going to be at the top of the bunch as far as team talent goes. But it's like you were saying, just Nick Saban being the anchor point is coordinators come and go players come and go like there was just a a solid oak in the middle of that you know that his roots were so deep into the program hey this is how we do things this is how we behave this is how we perform this is my defense and you know they talked about even the ocs having to come in and learn their offense you know it was a well-oiled machine that even in a down year with poor quarterback play, they're still in a four-team playoff. They're still almost making the championship. Um, so it's it's got to take a step back. Nobody's been able to replicate that. You know, the closest was a man who learned it from him and is now trying to do it at Georgia. Um, and so unless it's Kirby Smart coming over, <laughs> I can't really see anybody just automatically picking it up and just continuing on the same. You know, we, we talked a lot about Dan Lanning, but, you know, there's other guys who have worked under him, like Sark from Texas, and he certainly got Texas, you know, to a level they haven't seen in over a decade. But do I sit there and think that he's going to have the same kind of long-term success as Saban? No way. Um, you know, it just – you you saw the inklings of it at LSU and they're beating us for a championship. And then he comes in and it took him like one year to get it turned around. And then it just went from there. I mean, his worst years are dream seasons for most fan bases. <laughs> so it, it's got to, you know, if anything, you can start to dilute a little bit of the talent around to maybe some of the others. And so, yeah, maybe you have another team like Georgia really take off because Saban's out of the way. But I mean, they're already a monster that you're going to have to go through now. Um, and so some of the others, Auburn finally can maybe get out of the shadow. Think about if how many coaches they've freeze, fired. 
if you're Hugh Freeze, you're like ordering yourself a, a birthday cake. Yeah, it's not your I birthday, mean, but I'm like, yeah, I'm buying myself a birthday cake. You know, you know, I'm buying, I'm buying Nick Saban the biggest retirement birthday oh, cake absolutely. I can find, yep. and sending it with bows, flowers, candy. I mean, Saban bought that big old uh, car dealership. I, I think I'd be taking all my business there. It's like, sure, Nick, I'll come buy some vehicles from you. We'd be happy to do that. You enjoy retirement. You just stay over here. Yeah, so, um, so, you know, if it spreads out a little bit, maybe it makes some of the other teams tougher. But, I mean, it's the whole point of going to the SEC anyways. I mean, iron sharpens iron. So we need to know where we stand. And, um, you know, I I just don't see how you can say him stepping away is really going to be hurtful. It'll be interesting to see in year one, depending on the portal and who they hire, what it really looks like for that first game in Norman. Um, you know, like you, you mentioned, so much of, it can depend on the quarterback play. I think they'll have waves of defensive talent still. Um, and Steele wasn't my favorite DC, but I think that's where you can kind of point back that it was just Saban's defense. So that could definitely look different. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, so much of college football is really who is on your roster, the Jimmys and Joes. And, and even with a portal exodus, I bet they still have just phenomenal talent. They've had how many top three classes in a row and just signed the number one class, I think. So if they can keep some of those kids coming in, I mean, it's still going to be a, a massive program, but it's got to be a step back. So in terms of OU recruiting impact, like, you know, the, we'll do the, we'll put the mercenary, how does this help OU hat on for just a moment? Yeah. There's only one guy I can think of yeah. that could possibly say, hey, I want out of my letter of intent and maybe OU would be the beneficiary from doing that. And that's Casey Poe, right. the offensive lineman from Texas who was down to really OU and Alabama and chose Alabama. And how much of that was Saban? I, I can't tell you that Nick Saban was the closer on that, but I also can't tell you that he, the accumulated impact of Nick Saban's influence wasn't a factor either. I mean. And his and, you know, going into Nick Saban's office, seeing seven national championships on the wall or however Alabama has them displayed or his seven rings you, you, and all this, all the NFL guys and all the success. You can't you can't underestimate the impact that has on parents and kids when Nick Saban is sitting down with them. Right. I mean, so I don't know that he's going to do that, but if he did. um I would be very surprised if OU didn't say, Casey, all is forgiven. We have room for you. Um, you know, come come on down to Norman. Uh, we'll take a six offensive lineman in this class. We'll definitely take, even though you're probably an interior guy and our interior class looks really loaded at this point. That's what I was going to ask you. We'll, we'll, we'll still take you, I think, because it allows you, I think, to say, well, it allows you, I think, to do maybe two things. One, you could give... Eugene Brooks, the center idea, a much bigger run. Okay. If he could snap the ball. Um, Gabe Eichert on their podcast, he seems enamored with the idea of, of Eugene Brooks being a center. I'll, I'll defer to Gabe's opinion on sure. who, who should be who should be a good center or not. Um, yeah, uh, so that would be interesting. And it would allow you to... Your opinion on was just, it, it didn't seem like he was a tackle. And the way Brooks and... You know, Daniel A and 
uh, EPL have kind of finished out the year, it's like, man, you feel like you really have three quality interior guys. And now maybe Daniel can flex out and, and be tackle eventually. Um, and so you've got that and we know we've got to boost up numbers, but man, it's like, I think the way those guys performed, you know, even in your re-rank, I was reading, it's like, you see Brooks potentially, you know, you could argue he's top 100 talent. You've got, is it Akin Kimmy? I, I have That's correct. You're, you're, okay. you're right there in the uh, I was afraid yeah. to say it. I was just calling Daniel A, just getting myself out of it. But, uh, you know, it's like he probably is a 250 kid. He just wasn't really scouted very well. For, for um, obvious you know, reasons, right? Poe is definitely very good, but you see his ranking and, you know, it's like over 100. If he's like a top 40 kid, maybe mm. you can convince yourself just pure numbers. But I don't know. Um, I've been beating the drum for adding more O-line numbers, so I'm kind of talking against myself. I'll call myself out there. Um, but it, it does it does seem like a tackle would be. If, the, if right, there was an Alabama right. tackle right. who was interested in getting out of his letter of intent and wanted to go to OU, that would seem like the ideal circumstance for OU. Yeah. But I'm looking, at their, I'm looking at their recruiting class. I'm having a hard time seeing someone who sort of fits that bill. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where maybe Poe could be a right tackle, but I think most folks have him slotted at guard. We talked about him being a guard all recruiting season. Akin Kimmy could. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. A tackle down the road. Um, part of me just says, screw it. Just if he wants to come to Norman, if somehow he gets out of this and he wants to change his opinion, uh, screw it. Just sign the kid and we'll figure it out later. Right. Um, because if you could make Akin Kimmy a tackle and you made Brooks a, a Brooks um, your center, flanking him with EPL and Casey Poe 
that that sure seems like something that would work in SEC play down the road. Well, and like we talk about, I mean, O-line through attrition, through development, you know, a 50% hit rate is pretty solid. <laughs> OU's yeah, that's is, a good rate. That's a good rate. That yeah, would be a good OU's rate. has dipped below that from, you know, A, signing low classes, and then B, not hitting 50%. And that's what got everybody in a panic going into this offseason. We look like we're doing some good portal work to try to circumvent that for next season. But it's like, hey, you know, it, it's the old uh, – We've got RG3, but go ahead and take Kirk Cousins in that fourth round. And uh, now Washington has their quarterback for the next eight years, and it wasn't the guy you thought. So, you know, if you've got a 50% hit rate and you, you know, load up on four quality guys that are arguably interior with some flexibility, then surely you're going to get a couple of them out of it. For three spots, for three spots, right? Because you could be, you know, some quality starters. So, yeah, I mean, I I certainly wouldn't complain if if he wanted to look around and we brought him in. It it sounds like he you know has performed well, has looked good, and yeah, I mean he he's got you know they list him at like six five two ninety. So you never know. It's like the way Bill has done that right tackle spot from guys like Cody Ford and stuff that you know have transitioned from guard to the outside um, and are almost more of a road grader. Uh, you could see maybe one of those guys being able to do that, whether it's Poe or Akinkimi or whoever, and then you've got your more traditional left tackles on the other side. So I wouldn't argue with that. You know, beyond that, the only kind of areas that I, I saw in their class that are kind of traditional OU slash Brent Venables hotspots, kind of like the Tampa area, or, you know, it, there was one from Camp, Tampa Catholic, Jameer Grimsley, who's a wide receiver. I think we're pretty set on that. Right now. He's actually uh, he's actually a DB and okay. we're kind of loaded there too. So yeah, yep. Um, and then you know the only other I think Texas athlete that I saw was another slot size wide receiver, which we are definitely set on. So you know Jay Sean Ross is from Kansas. He comes with his whole slew of. Uh, off I was the surprised field Bama took him to be honest. I was uh, like, I was too. Everybody you know is slowly pulling away one by one, and then all of a sudden. It's, at the Alabama's last minute, like, we'll he goes to Bama. Like, I didn't think anybody was betting on that. So, yeah, it, that's it, it. Was interesting to go through their class and start, you know, sit there and be like, "Ooh, okay." You know, maybe someone like out west, St. John Bosco, Peyton Woodyard. You know, while he's a safety, and we say we've got numbers. You know, a lot of people really liked what he did, and you, you know, can continue to try to get into that high school because they're always going to be pumping out more blue chips year over year. So. Um, yeah, outside of that, it's probably more portal watch and and just seeing who's coming and who's going. I think long term there there is a regardless of who they hire, you just lose that that level of continuity in recruiting. Mm-hmm. A- Alabama won't quite be this. They'll still be a nine hundred pound gorilla. Yeah, but they may not be a twelve hundred pound gorilla any yeah. longer. Yeah, That's so I think that helps. So you. And some battles, maybe keeping some kids away from Bama, like Bama comes in. You know, for instance, in the 25 class, C.J. Nixon has some connections back to Alabama. Um, so maybe now Saban's not there. Alabama doesn't quite have the same pull on him. And he can use Oklahoma as, you know, as the in-state school is where he, you know, I can stay here. OU's in the SEC. I don't have to go to back. You know, I, I they, they check all the boxes and Alabama doesn't have the same 
doesn't have the same cachet to get him on campus and then maybe pull him away. I don't know. I'm, that's that's what I would see maybe long-term help in Texas recruiting maybe a little bit because Alabama did start rating Texas pretty heavily for a little while. On um, Portal, I think short-term, it's it's Terrence Ferguson, obviously the big offensive guard um, from Georgia, um, from high school, played high school ball in Georgia, that appeared to be down to either going back to Bama, going to FSU, or going to OU. Well, your coaching staff's your coaching staff's left, so maybe going back to Bama is not attractive any longer. Yeah, I hadn't even heard that he was considering going back. I thought it was down to just yeah, some of the other schools. So, well, it's a, and that was somebody somebody mentioned that, and I was just like, okay, I think I, I heard it on one of the podcasts, opposing podcasts. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe he's going to go back. Okay, um, so that would help. You know, if you got Terrence Ferguson inside again, that would help. Although, you know, I I do think. I'm, I'm still holding out hope that some, or you can make something work with uh, Zalen's herd because I do like the thought of moving, freeing up Jake Taylor to, to move back inside. Um, so, but I think portal wise, you know, you could see new staff, new coaches. You could see some players jump out. There's some defensive linemen. If a, if it's, you know, I don't know who right now I would cherry pick off that roster, but you could see some talented players on the defensive side of the ball. Certainly hit the portal. They did have a tackle who hit the portal. Then they pulled him back because they realized they didn't have anybody to back up um, uh, Proctor and um, Latham for the bowl game, for their, for their playoff game. Oh, I think. Right. Yeah. So that guy could go back in the portal. He's very talented, big, big offensive tackle guy. So yeah, I think he had um, we some could see if, legal issues that he was running away from. I'll well, yeah, people, then, he, then he did have people yeah, Google right. that right one. After that, right after it. that, there was a very bad portal joke about what he created. So maybe he's not touchable in any, <laughs> any, in any, any use of that term uh, yeah. based upon some of his legal issues. Uh, but yeah, you just, you just never know, but I don't, I don't see a lot of things hopping open, but you know, it, but it could be new coaching staff, could after spring, you know, like Saban right, basically yeah. told nine guys to hit the portal after their 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 bowl game was over, right? They're, sorry, the the playoff game. Nine players hit the portal. Basically, Saban sort of like it's roster cut time. Thanks, yep. guys. Yep. Yeah, you know, and the the, the only downside if they wait till spring, you know, that cuts off SEC teams. They'll be able to play for us, so they'd be able to leave. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for a lawsuit on that, aren't you? Well, it's hard because isn't that a conference rule? And so if it's a conference rule, then, you know, they can just say this, you know, this is our rule. It's not a, you know, overall NCAA ruling. And so you've basically got the coaches or ADs, whomever agreeing to it. So if if it's a, you know, kind of SEC only rule, which I always thought it was, that I don't think you can really do much about it. Um, it just kind of be one thing where it's like, yeah, it's something you guys are all going to have to deal with and it could be potentially a downside, but if everybody agrees to it, then I don't know how you fight that. But, but it could be, it could be a, a windfall for the ACC or Big sure. 12 or yeah. Big 10. If post spring things just aren't working and five or six really talented Bama recruits hit the portal and they can't go to the SEC. So if you're FSU or Clemson or, Maybe even Michigan or Ohio, Ohio State, you know, or, or or some of those teams. It could could work out well for them. But I do think you could see some some 
the new person, I think, could find themselves with a little bit of roster chaos that five years ago, if this happened, it'd be like, I'm just inheriting everything, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like everyone said the new A&M coach was just going to walk in with this Rolls-Royce roster. And then everybody has hit the, you know, everyone's basically left. Yeah. So Elko's coming and he's scrambling to fill with portal players um, because he does, and and high school guys. I mean, he's he's scrambling to fill that roster. So it could be, Bama could find itself in a short-term roster, um, some roster gaps just because of the way things have, way things have broken out. Maybe you didn't want to send those nine guys to the portal um, right after the the Michigan game, um, knowing that you maybe maybe you have a little more roster turnover coming up. Yeah. So, um, but it's it's a seismic shift. I mean, to me, it's. I remember in high school, right before I went to college, Barry Switzer resigned, and that was like. That was like that was seismic, right? Because Switzer seemed invincible, and of course the Charles Thompson arrest. Um, Barry Wise didn't know anything about the Charles Thompson arrest. It was funny because Barry's a uh, younger than me. I was on his X base talking about Charles Thompson's history because of the Casey Thompson. We're anticipating Casey Thompson's going to be a sooner tomorrow. He's going to announce he's. Yeah, he is in the OU database, if that is the same Casey Thompson, who is a graduate student. So So (laughs) that's usually a good indicator. Yeah. But um, I don't think Barry knew the whole backstory with Charles. And, you know, you know, but if you grew up in the 80s, like I did in Oklahoma, watched Oklahoma football, when Switzer resigned, it didn't quite seem possible. Right. Right. You know, how how, how is the king resigning? You know, how, how is Switzer leaving? And. And you thought OU's roster was sort of bulletproof because of how well Switzer recruited, even with some of the off the field problems and losing some players. But you know, and then you switch to Gary Gibbs, and and of course they had NCAA probation to deal with. But you know, you just never quite know when things are going to kind of fall apart. I mean, it's a little bit like Chip when Chip Kelly left Oregon. Mike Helf, Mark Helfridge didn't really keep that going. Um, I think there are some cracks forming in the. Previously uncrackable Ohio State football machine. Um, uh, yeah, to for me, sure. To me, thinking Will Howard is a significant quarterback upgrade for Ohio, for <laughs> Ohio State fans <laughs> telling me that I'm like looking at them like, yeah, I have. Uh, you haven't watched all of his games, have you? Yeah. Um. So you know, there's some cracks there. So you never, and you know, they lost wide receivers in recruiting this year. Yeah, and their um, O-line seems, play is still terrible. And they're, and they're fixing it by taking the Alabama center who can't snap. Yeah, right. <laughs> so there are, so it, it just shows you that even if you have a, what appears to be a bulletproof situation, maintaining that's in, that's why Saban was so great, right? Mm-hmm. It's maintaining, improving, and innovating. Doing those three things at the same time is incredibly hard. Yep. I mean – he adapted in a way I didn't think he could adapt the way he did offensively. Like I thought, you know, oh, we'll get Saban because he's always going to have the, he's always going to have the game manager kind of quarterback. You know, he's not going to change. And then all of a sudden, you know, he had Tua, Bryce, you know, Bryce Young. He, you know, he definitely shifted to having a to having a playmaking elite quarterback. And they've they've got a California kid coming in, Julian Sayan, who's who fits the mold for what Dan Lanning would want in an offense. So Jalen Milrow, I, if 
you know, Jalen, don't hit the portal, but don't don't be don't be surprised if um, the next offensive coordinator is wanting you to do some things which I just don't think he can execute from a passing game standpoint. But um, it's it's going to be very interesting to see what's uh, going on there. So, Kyle, I appreciate you taking the time to to join me for a little talk about Ted Absolutely. Roof and OU's adjustment there, and yeah. and OU. What does what does Nick Saban leaving mean for OU? Um, I'm going to go ahead and go through some uh, portal news. And uh, Kyle, if you if you're able to stay, great. But if you need to drop off, just just let me know, and I'll, I'll walk minutes. through this. Yeah. So the the big commitment. So we always start. We always start news with commitments, right? Don't don't bury the lead. And Jake Roberts, uh, the tight end, is a big addition since the last time we recorded. Um, Caden Woolard, who we talked about a lot on the last episode, went ahead and verbaled. So I like that addition. I think that's a good addition for OU. I wish OU could have gotten the Purdue guy, but I think OU kind of quickly identified the guy that was the most interested in OU, got him on campus quickly, and made sure he didn't visit anywhere else. So they didn't go 0 for 3 in the in the defensive ends that they really liked Woolard, um, the Purdue guy and, um, and uh, the Albany defensive end um, uh, who we had jokingly called the impaler. So he ended up in Arkansas, (laughs) didn't visit anywhere else. The Purdue guy never left A&M and OU managed to get Woolard and he never took another visit. So uh, of the three of them, I'm not sure how you'd power rank them. I think the Purdue guy is probably the top, but OU got a guy who can help. I think Jake Roberts is a good addition to the roster. The tight end room was just it, – it was poor last year. I think that's a friendly way of saying it. We don't need to go into Mr. Stogner's – some of his limitations. It, he did what he could. He was also out there way too much and used incorrectly. That's not his fault either. Um, but you get Jake Roberts, Devon Mitchell – in the limited action we got to see of him in the Under Armour game, looks like someone who can help, even though he's enrolling a year and a half early. Um, I like what we've seen of Bauer Sharp. I don't know what we'll get from him, but he looks good. And I'd like to believe there's a world where Caden Helms can come back from injury and uh, and and show and show something this spring. So the, to me, the tight end room, depth wise and talent wise is in just so much better shape than last year. And OU has the ability, Kyle, I think, that I think both Joe John Finley and, and Seth would probably push for some, some more double tight end looks, don't you think, to maybe give OU some more flexibility and push a little bit more running game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's just a world of difference. I mean, I was just pulling up the PFF grades for the different guys. You know, Stogner graded out at a 50 percentile this year you know just absolutely got worse and worse after that injury you know it it stinks what happened you know he was constantly around 70 his you know sophomore year was in the 80s uh you know he was a big target rattler loved him that injury happened and he fell down into the 50s at south carolina and 50 this year couldn't really run routes you know felt like it was constantly slow motion out there wasn't a great blocker but we didn't have anybody else to go to. I mean, it was a room of injuries, youth, or ex-basketball players. You know, it's it, it had really gotten down and, you know, not really being able to backfill 
the Helms injury when he was out, Llewellyn's been battling injuries, you know, not having guys to turn to. And then now you've got definitely potentially a full rotation. A, Jake Roberts, you know, graded out as a, you know, 70 percentile the last two years at North Texas and then at Baylor last year. And while he didn't have, you know, as big of a snap count last year at Baylor, still 325 snaps, it's a pretty good data set. You know, it's a guy who shows pretty good blocking metrics, pretty good receiving metrics. I think he's just going to be a quality tight end. I don't think he's going to you know, lead the team in receiving any game or, um, you know, set the world on fire, but you at least got an anchor, a, some seniority, a guy who's been there, who's been in this offense before at North Texas, which will be really nice to have. Um, but can kind of just do it all. It, you know, he's not going to be a speed demon on the edge or anything like that. Mark Andrews or any, any of those kind of types, but is a guy that you can just leave to be able to do both the run and pass game. It's like, okay, there's your starter. There's who you can pivot off of. And then now let's see what else we can add to it. You know, people are excited that Helms can get back from injury. You know, he's definitely looking a lot bigger in the photos and stuff we've seen just because he came in as almost like a wide receiver type. So, you know, if you can get some out of him, that's a bonus. But, you know, I all aboard after seeing the the photos and video from the All-American games of what Mitchell looks like. And, uh, I kept trying to pump the brakes and everybody's like, this kid's going to be a senior in high school when he's here next fall. And then you look at that, it's like, okay, but he's built like, you know, a kid in the he's, middle he's, of college, you know, there's just, yeah, he's, there's certain he, he, level yeah. of kids where, you know, it's the, the cream of the crop five stars, which he is despite the ridiculous rankings drop just because he reclassified you know, those types where they're already so physically advanced, it's just making sure they're able to catch up mentally. But physically, I mean, there's not going to be any problem of him being out there compared to some of his teammates. So I say you get him as ready as you can. It's nice if he's coming in in January. Um, but you've still got McIntyre, who's going to have a full his first full off offseason, um, potentially adding stuff. So, yeah, you've got four guys, and then whatever you can get out of, you know, Apparently, people liked what they were seeing out of Fanuel um, in his first real year of football again, coming from uh, like Juco level basketball, I guess it was. But, um, you know, who knows? I, I definitely like the idea of getting some two tight end sets going again, um, especially with the way this offense is. I think, you know, he, he's talked about whether it's a air raid, run raid, you know, you, you saw some of the most effective spread or raid offenses or the types that can have that extra H back or something like a Dimitri flowers coming out of the backfield, faking the block and then catching a pop pass over the middle. And, you know, so if you, if you can be that kind of versatile, it's just going to make us more dangerous and it's going to provide a little bit more blocking for a new quarterback in the SEC. So I think that's another benefit. And we now have a quarterback who, who I think is going to work the middle of the field a little bit better. I think a little bit and saw a little bit of that in the bowl game. Yeah. So, and it, we've talked about it. We already talked about this a little bit, but I th- I like Casey Thompson as a as a sort of emergency quarterback. Oh yeah, he's not he's he's going to be rehabbing during spring, so you can force feed Hawkins and Zerbrug reps, which they need, like to learn the offense and force feed their. You know, he's not coming in. He won't impede their development. He'll be on the roster if if you need a spot starter or you need you need someone to just you know, 
Arnold has to check out Being for a couple of years. to come into the Cotton Bowl at an emergency's notice. That's that's how I'm grading my backup quarterbacks from now on. If we go to the yeah. Cotton Bowl, do we need to use a tight end as the Wildcat? And you won't with Casey Thompson, right? He he yeah. He's got. I mean, it's he put up like 500 yards on us in the Cotton Bowl. I've seen it with yeah, my yeah, eyes. He did. So, he did. You know, it, he has played in the atmosphere. I think he's like the ideal candidate. To provide some experience. And well, just so you're not starting, like you don't, you know, Arnold just rolls his ankle on like a long RPO, right? And all yep. of a sudden, you don't have to say, you know, middle of the fourth quarter again. You're up by four against LSU. You don't have to tell Mike Hawkins get in the game. Yeah, you know, you can say, hey, Casey, just just run this thing out for us, right? <laughs> yep. So, some portals, comings and goings. Kyle, how in the world does Davis? Davis Bevel have still have eligibility. I <laughs> I don't know. It's I think we're slowly closing in on the last of the classes that are going to have remaining okay. eligibility. I mean, if we're going to question how Davis Bevel has, then you know I, I could say the same thing about Casey Thompson. So if Casey still has some eligibility left, then Davis must do somehow. You know, but we're if if you take the COVID, if you get the medical, and you take your red shirt. You know, you can fully capitalize on the the seven year quarterback and not be a doctor after all those years of school. But uh, the the great Tommy Boy reference, yes, like, <laughs> lots of people go to college for seven years. Yes, those people are called yeah. doctors. Doctors. So maybe maybe he's going to be Doctor Davis Bevel by the time maybe, he, he graduates maybe. from South Carolina. He's going to South Carolina. I don't think that speaks well for South Carolina's quarterback room. If I was a if I was a game. Again, Cock yeah, fan, Beamers. And you listen to our podcast. We we we're trying to be very generous to Davis on this show and in previous past shows because we don't like kicking anyone when it's when it's unnecessary, sure. or really unnecessary. But it it good good luck, Davis. I hope the clipboard never leaves your hand. <laughs> um, unless you're pl- somehow you're playing OU, and I don't think that's happening next year. So. Dave McCullough is heading to Cincinnati. I was a little surprised when he hit the portal. Um, but maybe that's more of an indication of where he think. Maybe he met Reggie Powers and and Michael Bogan, Boganowski during recruiting, and maybe those guys intimidated him a little bit. Because um, Yeah, I was pretty surprised by that one, too. Um, you know, just having I, I your thought brother. maybe his dad was – maybe something was going on with his dad, so he's trying to be closer to his dad or something. But sure. But I haven't heard anything that, that supports that that theory. Right. So a yeah. um, little surprised by that. Cincinnati's a good spot for him. Um, he was um, – is it Cincinnati? Do I have no, or was it Louisville? Louisville. Am I that wrong? Yeah, is as Caleb joked that uh, this was the player to be named later in the Kanai Walker trade. Sorry, sorry. He was he was verbal to Cincinnati. That's why yes. I have Cincinnati in my head. Right. He yes, chose yes, Louisville. Yes, high school, yep. Yeah, so I mean they they've been playing good defense, so you know, uh, it'd be they have been a great defense. Do something good, terrible but quarterback, but good defense last year. I always like when guys give it a go for two years, especially I, I think he qualified for a red shirt. I can't imagine he played more than four games. He did. Um, he, so he's got four years of eligibility. Yeah. So, so you know, he, you'd hope guys give it a go, but um, you know, who, who knows what goes with some of those decisions. All right. So the last gasp of the portal for OU appears to be um, OU's got Michael Tarquin at, on, at offensive line. They've got Fabechi Dewey Wu. 
They have Spencer Brown. Tarquin, I know a lot of folks have been hearing mixed things on Tarquin, and Tarquin had some tough games last year. So the way I like to frame this is we traded Aaron Parks, who couldn't get off our bench, for Michael Tarquin, who started 20-plus games in the SEC. So frame it that way, and it's a big upgrade, right? Don't 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 get yourself over your skis about this. We traded Aaron Parks, who, when we were desperate for offensive linemen this year, could not get off the bench for Michael Tarquin, who we know can play SEC football and was probably derailed a little bit by the the Lincoln Riley strength and conditioning O line. Take the words um, out of my mouth. Program that that. We're still dealing with the impacts of that this year. Next, we'll be dealing with the the impacts of the Lincoln-Riley offensive line roster management development system. Uh, We're still dealing with the impacts of that, and we'll be next year. So I think Tarquin can help. I'm not here to suggest that he's going to turn into an all-SEC player, but I think he can help. So, But OU's still looking at two more offensive line portal guys. Zalance Hurd the LSU offensive tackle, who we all want OU to get. Um, obviously, NIL's playing a game there. I'd like to think OU – I'd like to think OU is at least trying to not compete against themselves and is trying to at least get a, a number for Herd, which they can either match or not match, right? Don't – because I think a lot, of, a lot of these teams are competing against themselves – for some of these NIL packages, right? You know, they're like, oh, this guy hits the portal. We really need him. And they're offering him NIL money where it's like, yeah, that guy's really not worth that. So at least I think OU's trying to avoid competing against themselves with this. And maybe they're going to do what they did with Walter Rouse, which is where Nebraska offered more. And OU is like, oh, okay. Well, now we know that there's, now we know that there's a value set. Let's, let's, let's go over that. Yeah, you just hope you get the the final chance to rebuttal. You know, the yeah, you never know. Dealing with you never know. A very down Nebraska last year versus you know Ole Miss coming off the New Year's Six Bowl and how they throw nil money around definitely makes me a little more nervous. But uh, um, you know, it I know BV has definitely focused our nil efforts on high school recruiting, and I fully support that strategy. I feel like there has to be uh, an exemption or, you know. This is a unicorn. This is a yeah, two-year Whatever guy. you want to say, if you have the opportunity to shore up a premium position of need, quarterback, left tackle, defensive end, cornerback, you know, look at where the NFL money goes and pretty much just drop that right down into the college Man, game. And measurables well. are a huge factor, right? This kid's 6'6", yeah. six, yep. 330. You know, was a five-star recruit. You know, it's basically, you know, he played plenty this year um, at right tackle, wants to get out and play left tackle where LSU has the stud Campbell at left tackle, locking that down for, I think, at least next year, maybe the next two years. Um, and so, you know, he has a clear goal in mind, but he's played. They've got film to see, okay, yes, he is talented. He wasn't some one-year bust that is just going to try to cash in. You know, it, it seems about as as close to a shoe-in as you could get to just lock down your left tackle for the next two years of Jackson Arnold as well. So break your rule if you have to, you know, 
but there, there are there are there are rules that may to be broken for this particular <laughs> yeah. exception. So yes, again, I like the structure and the strategy, but man, let's let's make sure we're not overthinking this one. So I don't know. You know it David feels like Stone, David Stone proved by, why you spend money, right? right? We saw why David Stone was worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's 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 let's, let's give this. Let's hope we get a chance to renegotiate here. And yep. Um, but. I mean, he, he's taking his Tennessee visit, he's taking his OU visit, so every day that goes by just makes you feel like, what, what are we waiting on? Are we really waiting for Lane to get off his fishing boat to, to come host you? <laughs> in well, they're picking and, up, and they're, and, and they're picking up other offensive tackles and some yeah, old they, miss they, guys. They and some old the, miss guys are like, no, we're not, on, we're not in on him. Mm-hmm. They already picked up the Southern Miss guy, and they've got the North Carolina guy. Yeah, if you look at the snap count of the North Carolina kid, he played 100% of his snaps at left tackle, like 500 snaps there. It's like, where do you imagine he's playing next year? He has vastly more experience at left tackle than you do. Uh, you know, they – Ole Miss is setting up this roster to try to win the whole thing next year. This isn't a developmental program. They're they're taking a kid from North Carolina to come go from Drake May's left tackle to Jackson Dart's left tackle. You are going to Ole Miss. You're not playing left tackle. So this would be a purely monetary decision if you decide to go there. Now, Tennessee does have an opening, I believe. I, I know they've had like some tackles hit the portal. Maybe well, they got start. one going. They got a tackle visiting – Ole Miss, so it's it's weird. Okay, yeah, yeah. It is or weird. maybe visiting Ole Miss, maybe not. It's <laughs> yes. on our message board. We've had to explain to, to that sometimes this portal stuff is we're reading tea leaves, right? We're we're trying to put disjointed pieces of information together because let's be honest. I mean, Kyle, I haven't seen an actual interview with heard with any OU website. Have you? No. No, it's, I mean, this isn't like high school recruiting where they're talking to the kids. Yeah, no, no. Everybody's kind of just using conjecture. And, you know, I, I saw a funny, like even a Tennessee update was one of the like, I don't know if it's on three rivals, whoever, one of their writers was like having breakfast with Josh Heupel. And so it's like, he's just trying to get even the head coach's opinion on it and then coming back and saying, it's like, well, what's the head coach going to say? You know, oh, we've got no chance. You know, he's going to believe that he's going to get him. So, so of course that moderator swears that Tennessee's going to get him. Josh Heupel had Cheerios. I think we're getting the kid. (laughs) Versus whatever whatever he eats Raisin Bran. I don't, you know, we don't get kids when he has Raisin Bran, but he had Cheerios. So I saw that picture making the rounds and thought it was pretty funny. I was like, wait, what? Can you imagine... I won't put any names out there, but there, there are certain folks have it sitting down for, for breakfast with Brent Venables over at the diner on Main Street and, and going through the, the portal class. And, hey, who are we going to get, Coach? You know, uh, the I SEC is definitely a different hey, Brent, animal. <laughs> Brent, I, I heard we're yeah. getting a kid. Yeah. Can, so, you, can you confirm if you've heard that? Yeah, no. They, they. I think everybody's drawing at straws now, and and that's where I think you just kind of read the tea leaves. And I put some notes up on our board today, where it's just like, look, I think it's coming down to three things. It's he wants to play left tackle. He's made that known. He wants to get a payday. I think that's very clear. And then, you know, does he? How do you go beyond that? Does he want to? You know, when does he want to? Uh, I don't know. You know, it's like OU can definitely give him an option to play left tackle. We've got Sexton potentially moving over there, but if he looks at a roster, it's like he played all of his snaps at right tackle last year and coming off entry. Okay, 
I have to believe I can beat him out. I think OU's close enough with uh, NIL. Oh, and my third one that I put was NFL production. And what blew me away is Ole Miss, I think it's had one tackle drafted in like the last eight drafts. And it was um, Greg oh, Little. The little kid. Um, from, last Allen, from Allen, Texas. Yeah, actually. that's right. Um, and then you'd have to go all the way back to the Laramie Tunsil incident of the, uh, the gas the, the mask. Bong, the bong, the bong mask. Yeah. So those are the only tackles they had. Uh, and then Tennessee hasn't had one. Uh, they had, you know, the 10th pick last year. So it's like, okay, current staff definitely is trying to do that. And if you go beyond that, it's like no one but they, in they 10 didn't years. Re- they didn't recruit Darnell right though. They inherited him. Yeah. And then you look at OU and you assume, you know, we're going to have two tackles in this year's draft. Both get drafted as well. You know, Guyton's going to be round one or two based off the mocks and Rouse, some people think three, four, five-ish range. If you go back through the last, I think it's seven drafts, it's seven tackles over seven drafts. <laughs> and so it's like, we're basically getting one tackle a year. Now, Bill finally broke the you know first round barrier, but people don't realize it's like, that. but if you just look even overall, the number of you know other guys that were second, third rounders that are still in the league making money, it's like, okay, let's think beyond the next two years. If OU's within... 70 80 percent of this other school how much money difference are we talking here and then okay now let's think about the contracts over the next 10 years oh you like it's not able to be competed with and so you just never know some of these kids slash some of their families around them get so short-sighted of just oh you gotta you gotta capitalize now you gotta gotta take it or you know i mean because I always use the the reference to to buddies and stuff. It's like, look, like it's not like we're offering zero and Ole Miss <laughs> is offering two hundred grand. But if just throwing you know blank numbers out there, it's like if OU is offering say two hundred and Ole Miss is offering three or four, it's like okay, yeah, it is still the same delta, but. Like he has two hundred grand still in his pocket. It's not like it's right, we're it's, offering it's, zero dollars. Like what are we talking about here? You are going you know, to be a like very magic beans and oats. Yeah, and then, you are going to be a very then, rich kid for the next couple of years, working your way towards real riches. Let's think about that. <laughs> you know, look at Ant- Anton Harrison's. Um, they just they posted his pass blocking stuff. The yeah, all of yeah. the rookie tackles, right? And he was yep. he was number one and. Even Wanya Morris is starting. I know there are some chief fans that don't like that, and but he's he's starting for them. And if he he grinds through that, he's going to end up getting a contract, another contract, and before we'll know what happened, he'll he'll have he'll have two. He'll be an NFL if he doesn't get hurt. He's going to be an NFL offensive tackle for the next six seven years. Yep. Um, so, so hopefully, hopefully, someone tells. Tells heard that. So the other guy's Terrence Ferguson. We talked a little bit about him. It would be interesting if OU landed him just from the depth standpoint. It gives you some flexibility. And, and the number one thing I think it would be is if if Josh Everett has a sorry if Troy Everett has a has a isn't can't go in spring and for some reason I don't know what his knee injury was in the game. Mm-hmm. He got hurt in that bowl game. There's there's people have been alluding that he might have some. He might be out for a little bit. I don't have any source on that. Um, but if the interesting thing is, if you got Ferguson, right, 
And all of a sudden, Brooks, you played Brooks at center this spring, and he just, he, you know, he sort of had that Creed Humphrey kind of look to him, right? Like, he's a natural at it. He's really good. If you could, everyone's like, you can't start a true freshman center in the SEC. Be like, well, I can if I flank him next to an Alabama offensive guard and, and Nwewu, who is, everyone's kind of raving about him and thinks that, you know, he's, He's really he's he's really going to be a strong guard. If you put two veteran guards around him, then I think it changes that idea a little bit. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, I hadn't really thought about the depth at center. Um, you know, who, who knows how ready Bates could be a year in? I know it sounded like he was getting a ton of bowl prep practice just with you know it sounded like Everett was even a little dinged up early after the season for that. So. You know, it from a center standpoint, I could definitely see it being necessary. But because I was getting ready to ask you, it's like, man, I, I'm almost at the point where it's hurt or bust because, you know, it, it sounds like some of the young talent is getting some good reviews on campus. And then obviously the signing class has been getting rave reviews on their I, rounds. I, I would, I'd love to get heard and let Ozetta, Taylor, EPL, and and Brooks fight it out for the other guard spot. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, at, at a certain point, you got to quit taking so many Band-Aids, you know. you gotta, you got to develop your kids. Let the kids fight it out. Yeah. I mean, th- this kid hasn't been playing at Alabama who had one of their worst O-lines in how long? And I'm supposed to be excited that he couldn't play yeah. for that, you know. So it, it's another one that he's got a flashy logo on his helmet. But, you know, I – think about the hit rate of our portal linemen that we've had, you know, we've had some, it's probably about the same, like 50%. You've had some. It is, but have, I think it is for everybody, right? I mean, done well. Yeah. And I, mean, I, I just feel like he's only... just a number to take. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I haven't been ecstatic. I'm not going to sit here and act like I've watched a bunch of film, but um, I feel like you kind of already have your depth swing piece in Tarquin who's, played you know both tackle spots and you could maybe flex inside and he's played guard really too, some guard Florida, so. come in um and so go try to land herd and then get young guys let them battle it out and fill out the position you know i i just i don't know i i feel like he's an unnecessary ad um yeah <laughs> maybe i'm being too harsh Yep. All right. So I'm going to end this with just a quick, some quick information. So OU's not doing anything with 24 recruiting unless something weird happens. I will update you guys if that happens. Junior days are going to be big for the rest of the month. OU's first junior day is going to be January 27th. They're not doing the 20th because Texas is doing one that day and they'd rather get as many kids. It, it just, we're, we're not overlapping with Texas too much, but it's just, it's easier just to not have that Texas scheduling conflict we can get kids after this isn't the mac brown days where you are so nervous about the texas junior day because texas will get 20 verbals on their junior day that you that you're so worried that you never get to see the kids again so the 27th is gonna be the big one and i'll also probably do one february 3rd because signing day is february 7th it's late in the year because just because of the way the calendar falls february 7th is the first Wednesday in February. So, but three names for you that are confirmed by them posting information on Twitter and social media. Jonah Williams, the Galveston safety, 6'3", 200 pounds. He's a five-star top 10 player, 
If there's an impact David Stone-like defender that OU has a chance at, it is Jonah Williams, at least right now. Could play three positions in the Sooner defense, safety, safety, or cheetah. And he also probably could play Will Linebacker if he gets adds any weight. He's got a long frame. Uh, one positive is he wants to play baseball. So OU has that in their Did back pocket a little bit okay. for them. Then Mississippi wide receiver, five-star Caleb Cunningham is coming in for that weekend, the 27th. I, Kyle, I'd like to say OU has no chance with him, but Emmett Jones would probably smack me, smack me across the head with a with the verbal commitment from um, some folks and tell him that there's no one he can't get with the OU brand behind him. So he's coming in, and, and I I'm, I'm not going to say that I think OU has a great chance here, but Emmett Jones just seems to you know the the guys love playing for him. Yeah, you see I'm that in the OU DNA it. videos and and his recruiting. So I'm not going to say we can't. And then there's a bunch of other guys who haven't confirmed yet. You'll, I'm not going to steal anybody else's content, but there's some message, there's some lists floating around. Oh, you looks like they're doing a good place. But an interesting name is Mackie Stewart, uh, or sorry, that's probably Mackay Stewart uh, from Los Alamitos. An offensive tackle is coming in. He's only ranked a three star right now, but they all have him as like a six three, two hundred and seventy pound guard. Well. I just watched his film. He's 6'6", 315, and he's playing tackle, and he's burying guys and pass blocking. There's a couple of couple of his clips in run blocking where DBs are kind of running away from him because he just ran – because the clip before, he just ran the guy into the bench and sort of, you know, shoved him into his old – shoved him into his entire team. So there's, there's, some, there's a couple of funny clips, uh, Kyle, of where DBs are kind of like looking at him with some momentum and go like, yeah – um, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get out of your way. I, I'm, you you won't get any block credit, but if anybody anybody looking at the film can say it's a business, yeah, decision. He, he established there's clearly room because people are running away from him. So he's an interesting guy because it's a big O line class. Oh, you needs a big O line class, hopefully, and there's lots of O line talent. So if there's a surprise name from California coming to visit, that's always that's always a positive thing regardless of what happens. So looks like good weekends for OU. Um, and 25 recruiting is, is just flying through. We have nine verbals. There's probably three or four names who could visit in January and February who could verbal to OU. So, so Kyle, we could, we could be easily around 15 verbals by the spring game, I think. Wow. Okay. So, all right. That's it, everyone. Thanks, Kyle, for... Pinch hitting and joining us. Um, yeah. Hopefully you can join us for a roundtable next week where we sure. talk a little bit about the season that just was and the season upcoming. Thanks, everyone, for listening and subscribing to the podcast. I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to, to do that and to listening for us. Uh, if you want more interactions with Kyle and I, please go to Sooners360.com and subscribe so you can continue these conversations about these players with us. Uh, Thanks, everyone, and we will talk to you again next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.